Welcome back to the Nick State of Mind podcast. I'm Chip Murphy, recording another episode on Thursday night doing double. And this one is the Evan Fournier pod, because we haven't talked too much about Evan Fournier yet, and I am a big fan of the Evan Fournier signing. As you guys know, uh, Evan Fournier signed four-year, $78 million contract with a team option for the fourth. And we have the perfect guest to talk about Evan Fournier today. He is the creator of CloseUpMagic.com, the host of the Close Up Magic podcast, and a friend of this podcast for sure. And that is Stephen Cameron. Stephen, welcome to the show. That is a, a very nice intro. Thank you. Uh, I, I am a fan of the show. I'm a fan of you. And I am a fan of Evan Fournier. So this is a perfect opportunity to talk some basketball. And hey, yes. I got some friends that are Knicks fans. So I, I, I feel for that franchise too. Oh, you should. You should. You absolutely should. You got a couple of my, you got a couple of my favorite players right now. Evan Fournier, the Baconator. Yeah, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll see what happens with Frankie Smokes. I really like Frankie Smokes. You guys renounced his rights. You're going to resign I was gonna him. Say, he could he, be a, could he be a magic pickup? We'll oh. talk about that later because yeah. I know you guys have been linked to him before. But I do want to start with Fournier because Knicks fans, I, I would say a majority of Knicks fans are, are high on the Fournier signing, came, have, have come around on it. But uh, he was there for – Six and a half seasons, I believe, almost seven full seasons, just traded to the Celtics recently. But you know his game well. You watched a lot of his games. So what are Knicks fans getting with Evan Fournier? Who, where to begin? Um, Evan Fournier. You want to, let's start with the good. All right. He's a good shooter. He's a really good shooter. He's going to hit the, he's going to hit the three ball really well. Um, the last couple of seasons were his two best seasons ever shooting from deep. Uh, 39% two years ago, 41% last year. Um, and it's, it's just, he, he's good. He's good from deep. Um, occasionally his shot selection from out there, he, he can get a little, uh, little happy with just like wanting to score. Um, but a lot of that, I think, comes from the Magic's misorganization of having, like, elite players. But, like, Evan Fournier, he's like a three-way scorer. You know, he can get to the basket pretty well. He's a, he's a nice driver and cutter. He's smart on that aspect, too. Um, he's really good with catch-and-shoot threes. He can create a little bit for himself. He can create for others a little bit. Pretty decent, pretty well-decent passer. Um, and when he's got his mindset on it, he can be, a, you know, an average defender. Um, there, there was a game where he had to guard, uh, James Harden. This was like three seasons ago. And it was one of James Harden's worst scoring nights on the, in, in the entire season. And that was that season where he was just scoring nonstop triple doubles over and over and over again. This is like two years ago when James Harden was really going off of the Rockets. Um, I don't remember the exact stats, but you know, he's a decent defender. So, I mean, like, that's a that's a roundabout on him as his game, you know. His, his specialty is like slashing to the rim, shooting from deep, um, being a nice second, third, third, third ball handler when you need him. 
okay defender. You know, most of the time he's not going to lose you the game. Uh, his biggest weakness is trying to do too much. Um, that's that's what I would say. But potentially with, with how your team, the Knicks, is, is organized, he might not have to do too much. So um, that that's an outline. Where do you want to go deeper? Yeah, that's what I was that's what I was gonna ask you. Did his like you said, his flaws are trying to do too much. Did that come from just being asked to do too much? He was asked to be the second best player on that team, second option behind Vooch on that team. Is that where the I he did he did I watched some magic games. He he took some bad shots in those games. Was that just yeah. out of necessity or is does he would you classify him as having poor shot selection? I'm not going to classify him as having, of having poor shot selection, but I will say he does take poor shots from time to time, right? Um, part of that is definitely from the way the Magic were just set up as a team and organization. Um, for those of you that might not be super familiar with where the Magic have been at the last you know, seven years, Vucevic and Evan Fournier were basically our two best players for the last six, seven years. Um, and really those guys should not be your two best players on a team. They should be a step down like that. You know, Vooch may be your second or third best. Evan may be your third or fourth best. Um, I, so I think a lot of that had to come with his role and responsibility. Like a lot of the magic frustrations, particularly with his shot selection is just, and his decision-making were, were late in games when you don't necessarily have a closer. Um, and so we'd have to give the ball to Evan to close. And you know what? He, he did very well a lot of times. He did. Um, there's, there's, you guys, the Knicks are going to see some game winners because of Evan Fournier. I guarantee you'll probably have at least two this year, um, which is, you know, in my opinion, a game winner, you know, from any player is pretty rare to have one. But, you know, I think you guys will have two because he, 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 he's not afraid of closing out games, which is really nice. Problem is, if he has to make that decision, if the ball is in his hands, sometimes he doesn't always like the last two minutes in crunch time. And if he's the primary ball handler, which we had to ask him to be, um, he doesn't always like make the right pass. It'd be like, you know, the last four minutes of a game and like maybe out of every eight games, maybe he'd make one boneheaded pass that would cause to a turnover. Right. Um, but I'd say the majority of the time he's going to make a good pass Maybe uh, maybe he doesn't have to handle the ball as much since you guys have Derrick Rose um, and, and Julius Randle and R.J. Barrett, so he can probably be more in the like the catch and shoot instead of the crate in the late game aspect. So that'll be that'll be a nice changeup for him. Um, but I wouldn't call I wouldn't say his shot selection is bad IQ. You just don't necessarily want him being the creator with the like with the very the last bit of time. Um, but he's exciting, man. When he gets going and he and he gets a game winner. You, you, you just see the the scream and, and the, the loud, ah! like that is that is Evan Fournier. Um, you know, there's plenty of moments and photos of Evan Fournier just screaming, uh, you know, after he makes a game winner, a really tough shot. Um, you know, he, he's, you know, his last game in a Magic, this is the type of player that he is, right? The, the, the game right before the deadline, um, and, and and every Magic fan knew that Evan was being traded, and Evan knew he was going to be traded because he was, wasn't going to re-sign with us. He knew at the front office we didn't have the money to bring him back. Um, and, 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 and it's the night before the deadline. I think we're playing the Cavs, um, which the game shouldn't have been this close in the first place. But you know what? 
M. Fournier played the entire game as hard as humanly possible and got the game-winning driving layup. That's just that's just how he is. He's going to play 100% all the time. He's got enough. He's got a little bit of edge on him. He's not afraid to to get into another player's face if he has to. He's not going to be someone that's going to like take trash talk from from other people. Or, that or, Kevin or Durant let... clip made the yeah. rounds. Yeah, yeah. I mean, but that's just like one small example of it. He's he's never afraid to to you know stand up for a teammate um, or, or 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 be there. Uh, he's going to play with heart. Um, and he's going to give the city and that team everything he's got, which is really cool. Um, but, but I think ideally you want him to be like your third or fourth best option. Um, you know, I actually really liked his role when, when the Celtics were healthy as like the sixth man. I actually really did like that for him. Um, you know, the sixth man that plays starter minutes and, and, you know, can close games if you need him to, can be in that closing lineup. So um, that's sort of like a really good role for him. But, you know, he can, he can handle more. Um, and you guys are getting him in his prime. He's only 28, which is great. Yeah, exactly. Perfect. Yeah. I like that you, you said he in the six man role, it's going to be interesting to see what Tibbs does with him. I think he will start obviously initially, and I think he has to start, but maybe going yeah, down the should. line, not even this season, what happens with him, but yeah. Like if you guys consolidate in another, um, in another, in another year and make yeah. a trade or something like that, and he's still on the team. Um, you know, he's, he's going to be, he's going to be someone you can, you can rely on, you know, he'd be a great six man. Yeah. I think he'd be great at that. He's he's not going to be that 20 point per game score. He's not going to throw up big, huge flashy numbers. Um, well, he's constantly going to give you 15, uh, Mm -hmm. you know, 15 to 20. Um, you know, he'll give you some bigger games here and there. Um, yeah. What else can we, what else can I tell you about Evan Fournier? Yeah. Well, the Knicks, yeah, the Knicks need another guy who can do 15 to 20. If you watch the playoff loss against the Hawks, yeah, that's, that was my next question to you. How does Evan Fournier help out a Julius Randle or an R.J. Barrett? In the playoffs or, or just in general? Or, no, I want to get to the playoffs question. We're going to get to that okay. just, just okay. in general. Well, I guess where do they need help? I guess that's more or less. I'm not as familiar with your team, so you tell me where they might need help, and I can tell you if Evan can fill that role. Where do you, where would Julius Randle need help, or yeah, where, where would, where would Julius Barrett? Randle both? Where would those where do those players need help the most? I guess I'm not as familiar with the Knicks. So what do you what, when you say um, how can Evan Fournier help Julius Randle? And like, what do you what do you mean? Well, I just mean like in case Julius is having like an off night. Sometimes Julius does tend oh, to yeah. turn the ball. Sometimes Julius does tend to turn the ball over too much, and sometimes yeah. he does tend to take bad shots. And I mean, he's not a perfect player. He, I mean, he showed that in the playoffs. He he does tend to struggle. And R.J. Barrett, same thing. Uh, so uh, so I mean, like, look, if if the guy that Julius that Evan Fournier replaced is Reggie Bullock, then he's going to help improve the team tenfold. In that area, because, you know, Evan can can do pull-up jumpers. He can do uh, catch-and-shoot jumpers. He can drive. He can slash. And he's pretty consistent, right? Like, rarely do you see Evan not score in the double digits. Like, it, it's pretty rare not to have him score lower than, like, 10 or 12 points. Most of the time, it is you know, pretty solidly, like, 15, 16, 22 you know, in that range of, of scoring. So you'll get some consistent offense out of him where 
where, you know, you might not get that out of, you know, if, if RJ Barrett isn't giving you consistent offense, like Evan's going to help shore that up a little bit for sure. Um, and yeah, you know, if, if, you know, they need someone else to handle the ball and make decision to make plays. They, they have that now with Evan Fournier. Like he's a, he's a ball handler. He can, he can handle, you don't want to be your lead ball handler, but he's a great second or third dairy person to kick it out to, to create for someone else too. Right. Right. And the Knicks have had a lot of trouble putting pressure on the rim, even before Tibbs got there. He's a guy who can do that, right? Yeah. 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 He can drive to the paint. He can drive into the lane. He's really crafty. Uh, Not, not so crafty, but he's, he's really aggressive at getting to the line. And so then when he, when he gets, when he, when he gets to the basket, he can draw contact. Um, I wouldn't necessarily say like, he's always getting to the line, but when he does get to the line, he's going to knock down the baskets. Right. Um, now, you know, maybe that's just me as a Magic fan thinking the refs never wanted to call us when we were getting – when we should have been getting fouls. Um, but, you know, like the the most three free throw attempts he ever had in a Magic uniform was, you know, between three and four attempts per game, which isn't a lot, but he's going to get there and he's going to you know hit his free throws above 80% every time. Um, there was one season where I think he was even close to 90, maybe like 85% um, as a free throw shooter. So like, he's going to get there. He's going to knock him down. He'll knock him down in the spotlight too, which is cool. Like late in games, he's, he won't miss him late in games. So um, oftentimes Evan was our like designated free throw shooter for technicals and, you know, late in game free throw shooter and stuff like that. We'd get him the ball because we knew if they got foul and he's going to knock him down. So yeah. Yeah, he's yeah. just a pure shooter. He's a guy. He's a shooter. He's a three level. He's a three level scorer though, too, right? He 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 can drive. He can slash. He can't dunk very good. Um, as as Terrence, not not in a bad way. He can still get, put the ball in the basket, but he's not going to be the one giving you dunks all the time. You know, he'll get you a couple throughout the year. But it was always a joke with Magic fans and and and, and within and Magic, Terrence Ross, who's getting older and more of a shooter. Uh, who can dunk? Yeah, he can uh, and jump. Fournier, uh, they would have a bet every year who would end the season with the most dunks. Now, granted, Terrence Ross would win that bet every season, mm-hmm. but 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 you'd be surprised by how little dunks Terrence Ross actually throws down. And so the the contest would be like fairly close. Oh, wow, uh, I am surprised by that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Terrence Ross throws down dunks, and when he does, they're pretty flashy. But that's not. He's not always slashing to the rim. Evan Fournier slashes way more than, than Terrence Ross does. Um, and, and he's very effective. He's a very effective driver. He, he really is. He's very, very smart off the ball. I feel like he gets a lot, yeah. a lot of easy baskets off cuts. But I was yeah. looking up, after they signed him, looking up uh, his, I guess they have NBA stats, synergy, whatever, cut yeah. possessions. And it felt like those possessions were very low. It was like 1.4, 1.5 per game when he was, I guess I looked up the past two years in Orlando. Uh, was that just, he's not, he's got the ball in his hands a lot. Um, Got the ball in his hands a lot. Clogged paint. Orlando's never been known for its spacing the last couple of years. Right. Um, You know, we, we really, I mean, we, we haven't been able to give a lot of opportunity for players to cut as much as they'd like to, because we just don't have, the spacing so defenders would just clog the paints so it's probably more of that um so on a team that might actually be able to spread the floor a lot more uh you could see a lot more cutting from him you saw that with ag when he went to denver yeah too mm-hmm. looked a lot better how do you think mm-hmm. when when fournier 
if he goes to New York and plays with more spacing, how do you think that opens up his game, if at all? Oh, it should open up his game a lot more. It gives him more driving lanes. Um, mm-hmm. You know, with the ball or to cut, uh, you know, to slash with the ball or to cut without the ball and, and, and get to the rim. Um, it just makes him more dangerous. Right. I, I agree with that. Yeah. I, but you mentioned the, you mentioned the fans earlier and I, I didn't even know this too well. Uh, after they signed him, I wanted to check out what Magic fans were saying about Evan Fournier. And a lot of Magic fans were not too upset to see Evan Fournier go from what I saw. Maybe, I, maybe I'm reading it wrong. You would know better than me. But were Magic fans not too high on Evan Fournier this year? No, it's not that. A lot of Magic fans were more frustrated with the, the situation that the Magic were in. We, we knew at least – level-headed magic fans knew that he was asked to do too much okay. but there's that but that was like out of his control right and, and and really the team just it was just time it was time to move on um this this front office probably should have rebuilt this team a year ago like a year sooner uh and and they didn't so it, it, i think it was just more or less like we're excited for a fresh start all in you know all together and the writing of seeing evan you know, the last thing we wanted to do was was roll it back again because of injuries that this team had and bring back Evan and Vooch and AG and be an eighth seed one more time, right? That's the last thing we wanted as a, as a fan base because that was like that team's that, – that, those three guys, like, as your, your main players, that was kind of like the ceiling that they could be seventh, eighth seed. So, um, you know, we weren't clapping because we didn't like, like Evan. He's – the fan favorite. We all loved him. We grew up, we watched him grow up. Uh, you know, he, you know, many fans, fans cried, were emotional, uh, you know, wrote him huge messages on Twitter when, when okay. he was gone. Um, you know, he, and he's the one of the fans that will interact with you. I mean, he wrote me back a couple of times, you know, like after he got traded, um, you know, to say thank you for supporting him the whole time. You know, he's, he's, he's the, the real magic fans knew what he brought to the table. Uh, you know, there might be some younger fans that, we're ready to see him go sooner that didn't really experience the whole rebuild and what it, what he was really being asked to do. But I think most magic fans were um, thankful for the time that he was given, but like ready for a fresh start as a, as a team needed it. Yeah, I get that. I mean, it's, you know, you guys were an eight seed two years in a row. The ceiling was reached with that uh, core together with, it was time to move on from Fournier and Vush. That was pretty, pretty obvious, but, but the, uh, that brings us to a good part to transition into. Oh, hold on though. I'm not, I'm not done on Evan Fournier unless, unless you're, are we staying I on was, Evan? Oh, we're staying on Evan. Oh, okay. Okay. Go on. Yeah. Okay. Go on then. Never no, mind. I was going, I don't know what you were going to talk about. I was going to bring up the, uh, the playoffs performance. Okay, cool. I'm not, yeah, yeah, that's, that's better. I we'll, was getting ready to talk about Evan off court. Oh, okay. Yeah. We'll talk about that after I want to talk about the, the play or do you want to talk about that now? We can talk about no, that. No, no. Let's talk about the playoffs. Let's talk about the playoffs. Let's talk about yeah. the playoffs. <laughs> All right. The, uh, let me, for anyone listening who doesn't know why I'm bringing this up, Evan Fournier's playoff, playoff numbers are not very – Steven's making a face, <laughs> and they are, they are not very good. Not great. Yeah. Two playoff series with the Magic. Uh, the first one in 2019, five-game series against the Raptors, uh, 34.8% from the field. 23.5% from three, 75.75% from the free throw line, 12.4 points, 35 minutes per game. 
just two assists. Oh, and uh, last year against uh, the Bucks, another five-game series, 35% overall, 34% from three, 70% from the free throw line. And again, 12.8 points and 2.6 assists. Just, I mean, that was one of the things that sticks out about him the most is how his numbers just completely have fallen off. He had a better performance with the Celtics this year, in fairness. Average 15 points per game this year with the Celtics on 43 from three, 42.9 from the field. But the magic numbers are troubling. Now, as someone who watched it, what's your take on that? And is it jitters? Is there any jitters there? Should Knicks fans be concerned about those numbers at all? So, all right. This is a podcast we want to be excited going into the new season. So let's let's look at this from an optimistic point of view, okay? So the year that we've met up against the uh, the Toronto Raptors, the year that they won the championship, uh, we that was the Magic's first time hitting the playoffs since Dwight Howard left. Um, that was Evan Fournier's first time hitting the playoffs. A lot of players in their first time hitting the playoffs don't have good playoff performances, right? Unless they're like LeBron James or someone like that. Like, but the average NBA player, the first time going to the playoffs, typically don't like crush it right away. So we'll call that one playoff jitters. The series against the Bucks, I will say, um, that Magic team was pretty broken. Uh, we we didn't we had so many injuries. That, that that season, Jonathan Isaac wasn't playing. Um, Aaron Gordon wasn't playing. Also the uh, bubble. That was the uh, bubble. In the bubble. Um, I think that series, I, I honestly think our only true starters were Vucevic and Evan Fournier. Um, I'm pretty sure. Oh, Marco Fultz was there too. Um, but still, we were missing two other starters that year. So, um, you know – and there was and there were some second unit players that weren't playing all that well either. So I think it's I think that was just more of like team chemistry, unfamiliar with the lineups, probably again being asked to do too much when you don't have Aaron Gordon um, on there. And, and and I'll say this too: if Evan was really really focusing on defense during that series, his offense was going to struggle. He is one of those guys that occasionally when he's focusing on one, like if he's really focusing on defense, sometimes his offense will struggle. It's not always a, an equal two-way player. Sometimes, you know, if he's focusing on offense, his defense will struggle. If he's focusing on defense, his offense will struggle a little bit. So um, I think the playoffs, maybe that series probably just over amplified that. And we had a defensive-minded coach named Steve Clifford. Um, so I imagine – his assignment was more to think about defending than scoring. Um, and I just think that he just couldn't balance both of them. Um, but I would say, you know, go look at what he did with the Celtics last year, you know, standing next to Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown and, um, you know, a team that was is, is much more balanced and, and constructed evenly. And he did much better. So, um, you know, I think there's some optimistic there that, that he can be a good playoff performer. Um, um, and, and not be what he was in the Magic uniform. Um, I think those are just more circumstantial, circum, circumstantial, whatever the word is. Yeah. Circumstantial, I think. You Thank you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Circumstantial, just, there you go. Yeah, yeah, that's but it. He's, yeah, but he's playing in New York. He's playing under Tibbs, who's very, I mean, he's 
best buddies with Steve Clifford. So they're very yeah. similar. So his yeah. assignment is going to be defensive in the playoffs again. But I got I to gotta agree with you playing with outside, like obviously Vooch is an excellent player, but outside of Vooch didn't play with players like he's going to be playing with in New York. I mean, assuming cross your fingers, Kemba Walker is healthy yeah. next year and RJ Barrett improves. I mean, you got to hope maybe on most nights, Fournier is going to be the third, sometimes the, the fourth option. Do you think that changes for things him. for him yeah, in the playoffs? I think, a, I think that's a great role for him. Yeah. I, that, that's Third, fourth is ideal for, for Evan Fournier in a starting lineup, you know, if he's the starting lineup. You want him to, your, to be your third or fourth option. And honestly, and if, if, if he's sitting, standing next, I mean, defensively, if, if he's the one and two next to Kemba, uh, that's a little scary. But the nice thing is Evan's got some size. He can play plenty of three. So, um, you know, there's there's going to be some versatility that he can give you line uh, um, in, in lineups with him being able to play the two and the three. And he, he may even a little bit of one here and there if you, if you really needed him to. Um, so he's got some versatility there and some size, which is nice. So if Kemba's healthy and what he can do, you know, sh- shooting-wise, like – that's going to be a nice pair um, offensively. Yeah. Okay. Defensively, defensively is a different story. Um, but, you know, there's, yeah, it's going to be fun to see how he fits next to a, a such an offensive minded guard like Kemba Walker. He never played next to someone like that um, in Orlando. Not at all. No. I, you know, Markel Fultz was, you know, is a good offensive minded player. He can get to his mid range really well. He's a really, you know, he's good at quarterbacking the team and getting people in the positions they need to succeed and passing to them. But, you know, he's not like a major scoring threat from deep, but you know, Kemba, you know, step back King, you know, like let's go. So, um, you know, let, let's get some, let's head up the garden with three pointers with Kemba and, and Evan. <laughs> from your lips to God's ears there. But is, is Markel, the best point guard that Evan played with when he was in Orlando? Oh, um, to start last year before Markel Fultz went down. Yeah, for sure. Okay. Um, the year before, you know, Markel Fultz is kind of like Alex Smith, uh, as a quarterback for, you know, back when Alex Smith was with the Kansas city chiefs, like, you know, He's never going to win it with his arm, but he's going to put players in the right place to succeed. The problem was we – yeah, yeah, Marco Fultz is probably – sorry, I don't want to go too deep down to Marco Fultz. No, no, right? no. I, I'm a um, huge Marco. You know I'm a Marco Fultz. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's good. I mean, like, you know, he, I, yes, if Marco Fultz was – and I'm pretty high on Marco Fultz too. Yeah, I'd say – I mean, who else are you looking at? Alfred Payton. Like, you, we joke I love Alfred, Alfred <laughs> Payton, but, like, no – He's not a starting point guard. Um, DJ Augustine, like, yeah, he had a he had a good season there, but you know, he's not the most like offensive scoring kind of guy. He's he's more of a uh, slow half court gonna gonna put people in the right position again. Another like Alex Smith type guy who's just gonna put players in the right position, pass, and then you know hit hit jump shots. He's not like offensively just going to take over. Markel Fultz was like the first part when he would he would start to stand next to a point guard that that would also be a little bit more aggressive um, late in games. So yeah, Markel Fultz is probably the best, and that's kind of sad to say, but that's the best point guard he's ever stood next to. And again, that all goes back to why sometimes Evan would struggle is because he's asked to do too much. When you're literally standing next to your your best point guard is DJ Augustine and Markel Fultz, like 
your shooting guard's going to do too much. He's going to just – that's going to fall on his hands. And, yeah, that sucks. But, it, you know, that's just the situation everyone was in in, in Orlando. Yeah. And at, at times had Aaron Gordon as the point guard last year too. <laughs> I, I was – We had a lot dude, of injuries. I, dude, I was – Dude, you guys had Chasen Randall as the point guard. I was like, wow. <laughs> yeah, he was starting he played him. for New York too for a little while, right? Yeah, yeah. 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 The yeah, um I do want to I do want to talk about uh Dwayne Bacon. Yeah. Can we go back to uh Evan for a second? Oh, oh, oh you wanted to talk about uh, sorry. Evan off the court. Yes, Evan off the court. So, I I want to give some background to to who so people might want to know who Evan is. He's a family man. He's got a wife and he's got a beautiful son. Um, I think his son is like uh, one or two years old now. Um, he speaks French. So if you speak French, you know, go, he's from France, go talk to him. Um, he just won a silver medal with his team uh, in the Olympics. If you guys didn't pay attention to that, but, oh, and he's got great tasting cars right now. He's got this like, bright neon green um uh mercedes i forget like what model it is but it's like like one of their sport models it's ridiculous and he had it in orlando then it was obviously the perfect color when he was in boston and now it's it's he has it in new york i saw it on his instagram um but the thing that's gonna be best about evan fournier is his fashion New York is a fashion city. Uh-huh. He's going to light up the carpet every time he walks in that tunnel with his, you know, getting ready to go for, for a game. He's, he's a fashion maniac and he's got swag. He's got style. Oh, that's um, going in the description. Yes. The <laughs> yes. He's got, he's got good fashion. So uh, New York fashion scene, get ready. He's taking over uh, Frankie's place. Yes. As the, as the fashion guy, unfortunately for Frank. He's got swag too, man. He's got some good looks. Yeah, unfortunately for Frank. But no, I, I'm I'm glad you uh I'm glad you talked about Fournier off the court because it's nice to hear about guys and their he's off the a court good, stuff too. He's a good human being. Like he he you know is he he's not a dick. He's a family man. He's 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 just a really nice human being. And I and I and he he cares a lot about his teammates. And he's gonna care a lot about playing for your team. So, um, and the great thing is too, like he's on a decent contract. Um, team option on the third. If you needed to trade him, like it's not grossly overpaid. It might be a little bit on the higher side, but it's not too much where it's like untradeable. He's always gonna put up enough numbers to where like, all right, someone can justify. Uh, trading for him even if he, he is you know three to five million dollars overpaid right he's gonna be he, he'll, he'll always be able to be moved in some aspects so um yeah i think you guys score big time with signing evan Fournier. he's a shooter and there's always going to be good teams that want shooters and he's never going to not be able to shoot shooters can right. always shoot so he's right. he's on a tradable contract there's no doubt about that there's no in my mind i i just believe that it's a great deal and yeah. The fact that the fourth year is a team option is just oh, – That's great. It's a, it's a very smart contract. I love yeah. it. But I, I knew, by the way, I knew I was going to forget that you wanted to talk about the – Oh, that's okay. Thing. That's I okay. I wasn't was, going to forget. I knew I, I was going to forget that. But I, oh, because, like, you know, my thing is when you guys get frustrated with him making a boneheaded decision with four minutes left on the clock on a really close game and you lose the game because of a – like, and, and there was a turnover that he caused, <laughs> you're all going to scream at Evan. Like – 
you guys will scream at Evan. He's going to make this these mistakes every now and then. You guys are just going to want to strangle him. But then you're going to watch him walk in the next game, and you're just going to see the swag dripping right off of him. And you know, just like his, his sick, sweet, you know, outfit. And, and you're, you're going to forget all about it. He's going to fit right in. Man, we are going to love Evan Fournier, aren't we, in New York. He's going to be, he's so. perfect for New York. I'm going to be tuning him. into a lot more New York games because of him. No, I, I, I've wanted him on the team for a long time. I'm very, I'm very excited about Fournier coming to New York. I think he's going to be a great fit. And he's, I mean, he's so he's perfect for this team. I feel like. Oh yeah. So, and sure. they've needed shooting for a long time. But I, I, speaking of perfect fits, I think Dwayne Bacon is a, is a excellent guy to move on to. I, I love think, Dwayne Bacon. Yeah, I, dude, I love Dwayne. Bacon. I was, joking around there but i actually do love Dwayne bacon i think he i it's great signing i mean all right you don't want him to be your starter Mm -hmm. you probably don't want him to be in your second unit but if he's like between the 11th and 15th man on your roster and he needs to come in and be a spark plug off the bench and get you some buckets he'll do that he might forget there's other people on your on his team um (laughs) He's not He's not going to pass very much. Um, and when he does pass, the player isn't going to make the shot that he passes it to, so he's never going to have large assist numbers because um, that's just the luck of how he is of a player. But there are going to be multiple times over and over and over again when he's on the court where you're just like, how the heck did he make that shot? Like, are you kidding me? It's going to be like, it's going to be those moments. Are you kidding me? You just made that? And it's like, he's like, dude, he makes some really tough shots. Now, he doesn't always make the easy ones, but he makes some tough ones. Um, you know, he tries hard. Um, he's, he's an okay defender. Uh, yeah, I mean, I like the Dwayne Bacon signing. Where is he going to fit in your lineup? Is he going to be in the second unit, or do you think he's going to be, like, off the, like, of the third unit that might get some playing time here and there? I, they I'm not familiar with your current roster. Yeah, all the they way haven't. Through. They haven't released terms of the deal yet, so I don't even know if he's on a guaranteed deal. I'd be, I wouldn't be surprised if he didn't make the team altogether. But fans okay. were, some fans were getting upset because they think like somebody else is going to get cut to make room for him. Because now with him, we have sixteen players. Oh, uh, okay, okay, that makes sense. So we're one over, but I don't know. I look, I wrote an article a couple years ago, I guess, when he was a free agent now. And I thought he would make a good addition then because he had that, he had that one year, I think where he shot like a really good percentage from three and looked like he was going to improve. And then this past year, he really struggled obviously. And he, look, he played way too. I didn't realize he played like 28 minutes per game. This past he year. was a starter half the year. He's not supposed to be a starter. No, He was the, you know, you want to know something funny? He played, I, I, let me double check this, but I'm pretty Did sure he, he played in every, every game. Yeah, he played he every played game, every single game. Yeah, um, as a uh, for the for the for the Magic, and let well, me Steve tell, Clifford he obviously started, loves him. And he started. He started. Uh, he started fifty of them. Fifty out of seventy-two. Jesus. Dwayne Bacon is not a yeah. starter. We had to start him, right? This goes back to the Magic saying, like we, New York fans, the Magic had probably the most non-COVID related injuries in the entire league last year. Uh, so we had to start Dwayne Bacon so many times. And it's just like, it's frustrating as fans because you don't want him to be that. You want him to be the 13th guy 
you know, maybe 12th guy or even, you know, second unit guy. Just spark plug off the bench, go get some buckets, play 14 minutes a game, get off. That's the rest of the team's turn to go finish the game, right? But no, he averaged 28 minutes a game, like 25. Like, that's way too much for Dwayne Bacon. Wow. But players love him. Teammates love him. He's a really good teammate. Um, If you watch how he interacts with his teammates on Instagram – it's always super positive back and forth. He's always in the comments, like joking with them, having fun with them. Um, uh, so he's, he's like a, a Theo Pinson kind of guy. Sure. I don't know who that is. <laughs> oh, you sure. don't know what Theo Pinson is? No, no. But uh, yeah, no, Dwayne Bay, he's a father too. Um, you know, he's, he's a, he's a family man. He's a good, good, good young. Oh gosh. He's not that young anymore. I think he's like 25, 26. Yeah. I think five. He's... he's 25. Um, yeah. He's still fairly young. Um, yeah, I like the signing. I think it's going to be good for him. I'm glad he's. I'm glad another team's given him a chance because I think, given a more balanced role, he can he can contribute to a team. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see what they do with him. I wouldn't be surprised if he got cut. I wouldn't be surprised if he ended up playing minutes in the preseason either. So, sure. obviously, there's the connection with uh, Tibbs and Steve Clifford, and there's the connection with Dwayne Bacon and Kemba Walker. Now mm-hmm. they're obviously buddies from Charlotte, but yeah, I, I want to talk to you about the magic too. Cause I thought, oh, the, okay. yeah, I thought the magic had a great draft. I mean, I think oh. most people did. You had, you got to be psyched. You had Jalen oh. Suggs fall into your lap, man. I'm psyched. That, that must've been great. It's great. He already looks like an NBA player. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's been lighting it up in summer league. That didn't do so well in today's game, but the whole team looked horrible in today's game on a back to back. Don't take too much from summer league. Um, but Man, he's a bucket, and he's making the right plays, and he's you know already physically strong enough to play in the NBA, so he can you know bully himself around when he needs to. And you know, I was really—I mean, I'm sure Scotty Barnes is going to be a really nice NBA player, but I just—and then most of the time, I agree, you never draft for fit when you're drafting that high. But I really did not like his fit, and that's just because we got a thousand other like you know, bigs that can't shoot and are defensively minded. Like we needed someone who could score. Um, and we got, we got, we got Suggs. We had Suggs bunny or whatever you want to call him. Yeah. <laughs> Suggs buckets. Um, so I'm super psyched on him. Uh, and once, once he landed to us at five, um, I really didn't care who we drafted at eight. Um, I was a little surprised by uh, 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 Mo Wagner, no, Franz Wagner. Um, but, uh, you know, he's fine. He's a, you know, multi, you know, he can do a lot of things pretty well. Um, he's got to get a little bit more confident and quicker with shooting his shot from three a little bit. But I think once that kind of works itself out, he'll be fine. I'm not sure he's a player that's ever going to light up the box score with anything crazy. But I think when you go look at his box score, he's going to have numbers in every single category, you know, just kind of doing it all, kind of like a Swiss Army knife. Um, potentially a, a, a thinner, more versatile offensively version than AG, but probably not as good of a defender. I don't know. Maybe that. Maybe I'm trying to force a comparison too much right there. But, uh, yeah, yeah, I'm excited about Franz Wagner, and I'm, right, I'm excited to, to get to know him more as a player. Um, but, yeah, Suggs, I'm psyched. Yeah. Yeah, I love Suggs. of the year right there. Yeah. Come on. I'm super high on Suggs. I feel like, yeah, I feel like he could be a front runner for rookie of the year just because I feel he's like gonna he could start. Yeah, he's going to start and probably score a lot of points. 
Yep. So what yep. is that? That's starting backcourt. What do you think that looks like? Is that, I mean, him and Fultz? Is that the well, – is Fultz is, Yeah, if Fultz is healthy, it's going to be him and Fultz, and that will be a defensive nightmare for, for other guards because they're both, like, fairly big guards at, like, 6'4 with plus wingspans. Um, Fultz is an above-average defender. Suggs should be a, 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 a you know positive defender. He's got the wingspan um, for it. Yeah, he's, he's got, got the, the wingspan. He's yeah. got the IQ. He's got the body. So – um, that that should be a lot of fun defensively to to have them there. Um, offensively, you know, like if Sugg's shot continues to be like solid from from deep, that should be okay. Um, especially if you pair them up next to a you know a three that can shoot like um, maybe Chumo Kiki or Terrence Ross can slide to the three, get them a little bit more spacing right there. That'll be a nice nice starting combo now. There's some rumors that Bolts could be back for training camp. There's some. There's some, there's a, you know, mo- a lot of us think that might be a little bullish, and he'll come in like a month or two after the season starts. So if not, then it's a toss-up. You know, do you start Cole Anthony at the one next to Suggs at the two? Do you slide Suggs to the one and start Gary Harris or Terrence Ross at the two? Um, you know, I'm not sure what that lineup, what the starting lineup without Fultz looks like yet, but there's there's a lot of possibilities there. Um, yeah. I was talking about Fultz on another podcast and we were talking about obviously the magic probably couldn't have thought that Suggs would fall to them. There was most people thought Suggs would go to the Raptors, but now you have Fultz, Cole Anthony and Suggs all on the team. And RJ Hampton. And RJ Hampton who looked really good last year. Is there a circumstance where they keep all, all, well, all three of those guys in term, because they all look like point guards, Cole, Fultz, and Suggs. No. No, at some point they're going to have to consolidate, I think. I don't think that's this year. Um, maybe not even next year. Uh, Fultz is starting his extension, his three-year extension this season. Um, the third the third year is a team option. Um, then uh, you have Cole Anthony, who personally I think – might be like long-term development-wise, might be best off the bench, uh, being like a like a super six man, um, just because I don't I don't know if you want him being your lead point guard, no. uh, and I think he's too small to be a to be you know much more than that because he's pretty short. He's like six one, uh, six two, and that might be giving him a couple inches there. He might really be six foot, um, but you know he's not the sm- he's an okay playmaker. He's not always the smartest passer. Um, you know, he's more of a scoring-minded point guard, which I don't mind. We've not had enough of that. It's a really big breath of fresh air. I just don't know if that's what you're going to have when you're trying to compete for playoffs. I think he's more of like a let me just take advantage of the second unit players and just score buckets on all of them. Um, you know, RJ Hampton, I you know, he's like 6'6 six, six now, so he can probably start playing a little bit of three as he grows into his body a bit more uh, physically. He's still a little bit thin. Um, but he's got the size to start, you know, kind of being a two, three instead of a one. Um, so that kind of eases things up a little bit, but the nice thing is we got, we got some time to figure it out. Um, you know, Cole and Suggs and RJ, they're either entering their rookie season or entering their sophomore season. So very early into their contracts, uh, and Fultz only has two years guaranteed on his deal. So this year, next year, so there's, there's time to figure it out without, having to worry about needing to pay all of them all at once and who do you pay and whatnot. So there's, there's some space there. 
Yeah, yeah, I agree. Is yeah, I I like Fultz obviously the most out of all those guys. But when I was talking on on another podcast, we were saying we thought that Fultz was the the most likely one to get moved just because he already got paid. I you, think you feel that way, or I mean, what are you going to get for Fultz right now? You know, I don't well, think not, there's a high. No, yeah, no, not right now, obviously, because his um, value would be low coming off right. the injury. But in the long term, yeah, I you maybe honestly, I. I I think the, the the bigger I mean he might be the biggest return, but I I think depending on how he comes back from his his recovery and if he gets anything at all to a respectable shot from three, you know I think you're looking to move Cole or full or, or RJ at that point. Um, that's I think it really I think it's I think yeah I don't know I don't know yeah I mean I also though like. I, I've been team trade Fultz for a while now. I know that's why been, I'm bringing it up with you because we've yeah, talked about that before. I have, I have a like today's a good day for me in thinking about Fultz. Most days I'm pretty negative about him, but then like, you know, when I think about his playmaking and his mid range and how he gets to the basket and what he can do defensively next to a guy like Suggs, I'm like, oh, that's great. And especially if we can get someone like that's a sniper at the three, um, you know, that that would really help. But at the same point, then it always goes back to can he shoot from the from from three and. You can hide one person that's not a good shooter from three or like a really, really bad shooter from three. You can hide those, but you can't hide too many more players from that. And so then you have to start looking at, well, is Jonathan Isaac ever going to have a consistent yeah. shot from three? Is, um, you know, will Suggs be a consistent three-point shooter in the NBA? Um, you know, who are you playing at the three spot? Is Chumo Kika, Chumo, Chuma Okiki a three naturally? Um, or do we need to keep is, – is, uh, Franz Wagner going to be there? If so, like, you know, I don't know. There's just too many questions to to make that decision. But, um, you know, having Fultz with his shooting issues from deep definitely makes the roster building a little bit harder. But he does so many other things really well. It's hard to, like, you know, I, to me, he's our only true point guard. You know, yeah. I think I think Cole Anthony is an, under, an undersized, you know, combo guard. Suggs too early to say if you are one or the other but he could he you know he's i he it looks like he can play either one based off what i've seen on summer league so and he's got the size yeah based off what we saw in college in the summer yeah. league, he can pretty much just do whatever he wants <laughs> just he's just gonna yeah. score do, he fits I, everywhere yeah he's just incredible now before before we wrap up i i want to ask you about the Vooch trade. Cause the last time we were on, sure. the last time we talked to you, it was right around that time. And now with as much time has passed, how do you feel about the Vooch trade now? Now that the season's over and we're in the off season. It's great. Yeah. I mean, like if you're going to go full rebuild, I think the return we got for him is probably about as best you could, you could get. Right. Um, maybe we could have gotten a better, more established player that was still on like a, a longer term contract. That wasn't like, a question mark at the time, Wendell Carter Jr. and an expiring Otto Porter Jr. Um, you know, maybe you could have gotten like a, a legit like starter that still had years left on on contract back. Um, but I think our front office valued uh, having two first round picks that were lightly protected coming back. And and gosh, who's gonna? What other scenario are you? getting a first round pick this year from a team that's trading for him that ends up in the top 10. We got two, we had two picks in the top. Any yeah. other team you're trading Rooch to any other team. It's going to, it's going to, that pick is going to be 
end of lottery or second half of the first round where we got two, we, we got a top 10 pick for him this year. Plus we're going to have another pick for them, you know, pick for him in, in two years from now. Um, so and Wendell Carter is showed enough. So like, I mean, I don't know how much better we could have done. I think it's a fine trade to be honest, especially I was, if you're pick incentive. Yeah. I was going to say right now, you guys have to feel like you won the trade, right? Just because the Bulls didn't play well after they got him. Yeah, I think it's a little too early to say winning the trade. Winning. We are winning currently. I I think that comes down to, like, how does Wagner play out? Um, You know, can Wendell Carter become a legit player in this NBA? Um, Or is he going to be injury-riddled his whole year and we never, like, get to see him truly come into a player? But as of now, yeah, I'm – you know, I'm feeling good. Feeling good. I think it's pretty equal trade, to be honest, right? Um, yeah, they missed the playoffs, but that team was going to miss the playoffs even if they didn't trade for him because they just they have so many issues already. Like, and plus they had some injuries and they didn't they didn't have any like their point guard rotation was yeah. garbage and like zero defense in that rotation either. So it's like now that you have some defense with Alex Caruso and. Uh, Lonzo Ball, who are both plus defenders, um, and you know uh, a guy who can really organize an offense in Lonzo Ball, and who has improved as a shooter. Um, you know, I, I think that team's going to be. I'm, I'm high on what that team did. They have some stuff to figure out with you know DeRozan and, and Levine, but I, I think that's going to be if they can find a really nice defensive-minded like power forward to like sit next to um, Vooch and DeRozan, like that'll be that'll be fun. Yeah, they're the they're such a wild card to me cuz yeah. I wouldn't I wouldn't be surprised if they finished like top 5 in the East and I also wouldn't be surprised if they missed the playoffs because they're Yeah, that's fair. They're a weird they're really weird. Yeah. They like, are weird. I don't know what's going to happen like the Ro- the DeRozan, Levine, Vooch thing like They're going to those- score buckets on people. Yeah. They're going to they're going to put up a lot they're of not points. They're going to stop anyone. But they're not I was just going to say that. You took the words out of my mouth. They're going to give up a lot of points. Even with Lonzo can guard, I I just feel like they're going to have to outscore people every single night, and that's going to take time out of them. But if they get to the playoffs, they're going to wear the hell out of people. People aren't going yeah, to want to play them. Yeah. But, no, I'm, I'm excited about – you know, I, I think it's a – I think this year is going to be a better opportunity for Vooch than he's probably ever had in a Magic uniform. Um, and I And I really think that – you know, he's he's going to be able to pass the ball to the guys that can actually score, which is really nice. Um, you know, and then we, we got what we wanted out of it. I think both teams got what they wanted out of it, you know. And I think it – I really do think it was fairly equal trade, you know. We'll see. If, you know, at the end of the day, like, do, it, do any of the assets that we got for Vooch become better than Vooch? I don't know. Would Vooch be a better um, – better foundational piece for someone like Suggs to grow ne- grow next to? Maybe. Maybe. The Magic were going to be bad enough to probably be in the same draft position they were anyways. Um, so, I, you know, I don't know. We'll see. But, um, you know, so far I'm not disappointed with the trade. Yeah, I feel like you could say that about any time a team trades their best player. Do they ever mm-hmm. really get a player who's as good as that player? I, I, I don't think they ever Most do. Most of the time that when you're, you're the one trading away the, the, the all-star, you're the one losing yeah. the trade. Yeah. Yeah. You, the bet, the team that gets the best player in the deal wins the deal nine, yeah. nine and a half times out of 10, I feel like. Mm-hmm. So I think you guys, as well as any team that 
sells off their at, at least three of their top players uh, at, at the trade starters, deadline. Yeah. yeah, you you guys did as well as any team can do. Plus, picking up RJ Hampton was good. He was a, a we nice got surprise. Five there too. picks, man. We got five, five picks. picks uh, you know, which three first rounders and and two seconds for Evan. Um, we got. $17 million trade exception, which we can use later this year if we need to. I doubt we use it, but we, we could. Um, we got RJ Hampton, and we got Wendell Carter Jr., and we have Gary Harris under contract another year, which we'll probably flip him for another asset. And then, you know, we'll, we'll see what happens with the rest of the picks, with the Denver pick that's 2025, top five protected, and then we'll see what happens with the Bulls pick in 2023 that's top three protected. That's an interesting top three one. Top four. Because Levine so, might not be there, so that's you know that, that's an and that's the one. other thing. Like that Bulls roster, you know, they don't have a huge window. They don't. I think they got to make the playoffs next year. They have to. They have to because if not, you know, Levine's not going to resign, and yeah. Vooch is. I think the year after, or maybe the same year, he's got two yeah. years left on his contract. So it's like, yeah, you know. No, there's there's no Short, margin small window. Yeah. Small yeah. window. No, very small window. Okay, last last question, because we haven't we haven't talked since uh Jamal Mosley was hired. And everybody I, I'm really high on Jamal Mosley from from what I've read. I think everybody likes Jamal Mosley. So what do you think of uh the magic hiring Jamal Mosley as head coach? You know, I'm I'm psyched. Um I didn't know much about him until we hired him. Because honestly, I don't know much about assistant coaches in this league unless they were previously a head coach um but you know it sounds like he's very developmentally uh sound um he's definitely done his duties uh with with the years of experience i think he's got 11 plus years of coaching in the nba and development coaching in the nba um or assistant coaching in the nba followed by some developmental years i I have to go back and look at it but he's definitely got a a full resume um, leading up to being promoted to uh, to a to a a head coach, and he's he's young. He's already like physically practicing with our team, which is really cool. Um, there's already footage of like him and Mo Bamba doing individual workouts. I saw and, that. Yeah, and he's like, you know, they're they're playing basketball together. So um, I like that. I like that. I think the players are going to respect him. I think he's going to. Um, I think he's going to be able to get their ears and allow them to buy into the system. Um, you know, I hope now that he in the front office can put lineups together that will help bring the best out of our young players. Now, to me, that means getting the right type of veterans to stabilize young young players. The last thing I want to see is a, a lineup of five guys where none of them have been in the league longer than four or five years. You know, I'd like, I'd like some balance in there. Um, so, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm psyched. I think he's great. I mean, granted the magic were one of the least attractive, like head coaching destinations you could have. So I, I don't know, like we weren't going to get any of the high profile names, like most of the really high profile names, if they didn't get some of the other jobs, they're going to sit out a year and wait for the next round of, of openings to come. Um, just because the magic are, we're years away from like, honestly being really, uh, you know, back in the playoff pitchers again, maybe, you know, two years away. So um, I think given the situation we were in, I think he's a great, great coach for the position. I'm super psyched. And he's already seems to be doing a great job with the young guys who are starting to buy in pretty early in this off season. Yeah. yeah I, I like him too. It's, 
Do you think it was uh, – I mean, the whole Steve Clifford thing happened so fast, him moving on. Do you think it was just the, the right time for him to move on? Yeah, you know, he just – he doesn't want to rebuild. That, that's yeah. really it, you know, and, and the front office were clearly rebuilding and it, it, it's just, ah, you know, we're going to rebuild. Do you want to be a part of this process or not? And he's like, no, nah, I think I'm going to go somewhere else. And they're like, cool, we'll let you go. Like, yeah. I, I honestly think it was that simple. Okay. Yeah, it didn't seem like there was any bad blood there. It just no. seemed like, no. All right. No, no it's not. And the, the players all loved him even after the, even after the trade deadline. The front office, uh, you know, he was always in line with the front office thinking, but they quickly switched paths and – you know, the, the goal is development, not making the playoffs right now. And, you know, he's he just took a consulting position, I think, with the Nets. With the Nets, yeah. So, um, you know, that's, that's great. He can go be a, an assistant, you know, consulting, whatever, you know, consulting assistant. You're an assistant I don't know coach, what that means. I don't yeah, know what that means. but An assistant coach that probably goes to, like, two practices a week instead of all five or whatever, yeah. you know, whatever. Yeah. It's a pretty um, sweet gig. Yeah. So, you know, I'm psyched for him. But, no, nah, I – I, th- I don't. I think it was all. I think it was all positive. Uh, yeah. You know, mutual. So. Yeah. I think so too. That's what it seems like. All right, Stephen. This was great as always. Talking to you, fantastic. Uh, tell everyone where they can find you. Promote yourself, please. Yeah. So um, you can, if you go to Twitter, you can find us at the Close Up Magic. Um, our most recent episode is a pretty fun one. It, we have. Um, a guy named PD Webb above the above the break oh, three, yeah. I think, is his uh, Twitter handle, and he uh, specializes in player development. Um, you know, in the NBA and NCAA, and so uh, so we we talk a lot about how like you know how how to develop players, which is really neat given how young this team is. So if you have any any interest in in that side of things on basketball, go check out that episode. It's really good. Um, and then you can go to our website, theclosetmagic.com and check out, you know, some of our most recent stuff is like draft related articles. There's a draft section there. You can go check it out. And, uh, yeah, yeah, we're going to, we're going to do another, another series, uh, another season covering the magic this year. And that's, that's where I'm at. All right. Uh, check out Steven's con Steven's content. He's great. Uh, obviously subscribe to the podcast, Nick's state of mind, uh, subscribe to, my newsletter, if you haven't done that yet, The Couch Critic, uh, I would appreciate that. <laughs> uh, follow at KnicksFanTV. Yeah. Follow uh, Danny and Matt on Twitter. Uh, follow Jeff Campbell on Twitter. Uh, and again, rate, review, subscribe to the podcast, guys. Thank you for listening.